Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. And I'm Stephen McFarlane. Welcome, Stephen. It's great to have you back. Here we are. Tim, it's good to be back. This is uh, season... Season four. Four. Yes. Welcome to season four, Stephen. Season four. Oh, <laughs> I remember the first time we did this in the basement. And yeah, it's been, that's uh, right. It's been quite a while. A lot of different guest speakers and a lot of different subjects. So it's been a great work. So tonight we're starting off with Slurpees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so dear. if you don't know what a Slurpee is, and if you don't have a 7-Eleven around the corner to you, the market, it's a Slurpee is a icy slushy drink that comes in all these different flavors and steven went out and got us some slurpees to start off the podcast here so we can kind of clean our palates or it felt fitting given the topic tonight and yeah uh, yeah (laughs) it's kind of ironic because this is one of our top temptations and steven's brought in our top temptation as we talk about temptation that's right (laughs) so if you hear us slurping a little bit in the background that's what's going on yeah we're having a good time going through this and Maybe it'll. Uh, maybe you can go and have one and enjoy it while you're uh, you're listening to the podcast as well. <laughs> Overcoming temptation, Tim. Quite Overcoming a topic. Overcoming temptation. Yeah, I thought it would be important for us to talk about this mm. in a practical sense, mm-hmm. as we've been talking about sin and those kind of things, but really kind of focusing in on where this all comes from and, and just giving some help from Scripture about overcoming temptation in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's a big subject and. To your point, it's certainly one that's helpful to think of practically. What can you do to work through this in your life? And I think what we'll see as we work through this podcast episode, it's throughout the Word of God. Hmm. This aspect of temptation, dealing with it, seeing it evident in the life of many faithful that are recorded for us. You think about the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, and there's temptation right in the garden. Yeah. And so it's not as if we're led down this path, the story of the Bible, and temptation kind of comes midway through. It starts right away. And so it should come as no surprise to any of us as Bible students, as those interested in the Word of God and what it talks about. This is something we have to deal with. And we have to become interested in the ways that God's going to try to help us deal with it and overcome it. Yeah, I think in that sense, we have to be sensitive to it mm-hmm. to really know and to recognize it. So mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. we can get some of that tonight. Yeah, yeah. I think a helpful way when we had kind of talked about this a little bit in advance, a helpful way to kind of start tonight is just to try to define temptation. What is right. the, How does the Bible describe it for us? Mm. And the verses that we read, they were actually taken from James chapter one. And some helpful verses to kind of think about the source of temptation and what it's dealing with and what it all encompasses when you start to really think about it. Because these are, these are some challenging topics to think about, to really chew on, to slurp down. You know, it can really, really make us think. And especially when you think about the words of James chapter 1, we started in verse 13. If you have your Bibles out, if you take notes as you listen through this, we started with James 1 verse 13. But if even if you come back to James 1 verse 12, Mm -hmm. you start to see these words like the crown of life. You see these words like blessed. You see these words like love. And you start to think, well, how does this frame itself into the conversation of the negative connotations of temptation and all that we have to deal with and struggle with? 
it seems like this isn't going to make sense for us. But as we'll work our way through the definition as we're just kind of discussing it, really what James is trying to drive us to recognize is temptation should bring us closer to God. And there's this love aspect that God wants us to, to work through this, to involve him, as we'll see. And so even though it seems opposite from what we might think. Yeah, it wasn't what I, I was expecting yeah. you to say. Yeah. It, it should right. lead us to recognize that we have a need for God. Mm, yeah. And you look at the very next verse. It's almost what we read tonight. It's almost as if it's just trying to force that upon us. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. So it's like right away, this is going to come from within us. This comes from our lust, as it says. So we can separate the fact that the blame isn't going to rest on God. Right. And just read on. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Hmm. And so here you have, right, this temptation being defined. You see lust. You see desire. And we have these mutually exclusive ideas being presented, all these good and perfect gifts coming from God, the struggles and temptations that we're going to go through residing with us. And yet sin and death come from this temptation, our desires that conceive and give way to sin. And yet we know, Tim, it's not like all temptation is negative, right? Right. I mean, when I was looking at this, I was looking at the word. Mm -hmm. The Greek word is epithumia. And the thumia means like hot, or like mm-hmm. we, we get our word thermos from that, right? But it just has the idea of desires or passions. And it's interesting to go through that word in Scripture because in some places it's used positively. For instance, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 15, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And it's, it's that word desired mm. there, which is that same word that James is using here for desire. And so that's a good desire, yeah. right? So God has built these desires into us, like hunger, thirst, a drive for work and doing things. Uh, sexual desires, Mm -hmm. they're not bad in themselves. But what happens is when those lesser desires overtake us and they become our masters, oh, that's the bad thing, right? So it's all about containing those and seeing that just because we have these feelings, we shouldn't feel guilty about them. Yeah, Yeah, good point. Like you said, but when they do overtake us, then that's when we have this problem of sin as James defines right here, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd mentioned as well this harnessing, right? This channeling of your Mm. natural desires to try to make it into this positive output in the context or confines of what God's tried to position for us. And again, it seems as if the common thread is that God needs to be involved, thought of, right? Yeah, God has given us these things. I mean, he knows how to deal with them so that we really use these desires in the proper way that he has created for us, like in marriage, right? Between one man and one woman, or just to eat and to satisfy ourselves with our daily bread and not to store up and have these feasts all the time and, and gluttony and those kind of things or you know whatever it is in life that can go to excess and that becomes more self-focused rather than God-focused in life. Right? Yeah, it's a challenging subject. As you think about temptation in your own life, as you're walking before God, it can overwhelm you. Oh, yeah. You know, the world in which we live, it... It can be a real challenge. You know, every day we're flooded with these temptations that are before us. And 
you know, the media that's put in front of us. You, know, you can't even ride the go train where we live uh, to go into the major, you know, right. metropolitan city and not pass massive billboards and screens and all of this is just constantly bombarding you and, and it can be a real challenge. It's accessible. It's all around us. Um, you know, this, I mean, this can be a real challenge. Yeah, you talk about bombarding. It really is. The Bible describes it as a war. Mm. I think it's in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Peter describes it as the flesh or the passions of the flesh, which war against the soul. Mm-hmm. So we have to see it as a battle. And I think if it isn't a battle, then we've probably lost yeah. the battle already mm-hmm. to our own <laughs> fleshly desires, right? Yeah. So if the war is there, it's a good thing. But we have to really get God on our side. That's actually that's pretty it. profound, Tim. Actually, <laughs> it, it hit me as you're saying it. You're right. If we don't recognize it as a war, we've already lost it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's a really good self reflection. If we don't feel like we're in that battle, if we're not there on that battleground, we might be a little bit uh, further behind than we, we think yeah. we are. Yeah. So yeah, you know, that's thanks for for getting that thought in our mind because it's helpful to wrestle with that as well. So having defined it, now you got to recognize it, mm-hmm. right? recognize what is the battle that you're in? What is the temptation in your life and in my life? And what are the positive influences? Where can we channel this and harness this in positive ways before God? And where is it overtaking us? And where are we losing that battle that we can try to overcome? And I think obviously there in uh, James 1, we see where it originates. That can be helpful just to kind of encompass there. It's, it's within our own desire. It's within us. This is something that we have to work to overcome has to be dealt with at the source. Yeah. We have to work through this. Yeah. It can't be left undone. I've heard it said that we deal with fruits, but God deals with roots. And so, you know, you think we deal with the outcomes. Wait, wait, say that again. We deal with fruits, but God can deal with the roots. Ah. We see the outcome. We deal with the finished product. Yes. Yeah. The result of it. And yet God's ability, if we open ourselves up to him, he can deal with the root issue, yeah. the heart of the matter. Yeah. And that's the way the Bible speaks about it, right? Mm-hmm. The Bible can like open us up and get right to mm. the heart of, of everything mm. that's going on if we allow it to. And so it becomes incumbent on us to recognize that. And, you know, how does this happen? What are the patterns in our lives that lead us down this path of temptation and it overtaking us to bring forth sin? Can I walk through an example? Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful thing about the Bible. There's so many examples that show us wrong in the right way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the one that, that always comes to mind, right, is with Samson. Almost everyone gets this picture of Samson, yeah. right? It's this macho man with the long hair and just yeah. the stud of a man. Rambo type. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Muscle, and, muscles bulging. Yeah. And yet there's this picture in the book of Judges that's just ripe for us to see how do you deal with temptation? What do you do? Yeah. And ultimately, what does God do when, when God gets involved? And so right at the beginning, you start to see, okay, well, what does is, what is Samson struggle with? What's the temptation? Where is he really weak? Exactly. <laughs> you see it right in, I think it's Judges 13, 14. And it says, Samson saw a woman. And he goes to his parents. I wouldn't recommend this strategy. But he goes to his <laughs> parents and he says, get her. Just get her for me. Yeah. And he says, she pleases me well. And so it's, okay, well, hold on a second. This seems a little backwards. It's only driven, doesn't know anything about her, but he sees her, he wants her. Here's this temptation that's going to take hold of him, and we're going to see that work throughout his life. And so sure enough, he goes, and obviously we know the story of Samson. He destroys Philistines, and there's this battle between him and the Philistines. And how do they finally work to try to trap Samson? They go to a woman. Mm -hmm. Let's go to one thing that Samson's going to struggle with, a temptation that's going to take hold of him. 
And it was. And, you know, it later says, a couple chapters later, it says he saw a harlot. Here again is this temptation that takes hold of Samson. He struggles with this. And how does God ultimately deal with Samson, Tim? What does he do when Samson finally shakes him at his core, gets him to focus his mind, turn him around to now think back on God? Well, he gets, his hair gets cut and he loses his strength and the Philistines poke out his eyes. And it, then, yeah. yeah. It's like the perfect irony. Okay, because he was the yeah. lust of the eyes. He kept seeing the women. Exactly. The temptation. And God's like, okay, like here's this. Oh, okay. This is a drastic example, but I think it's really helpful for us to understand the principle of what's being driven out here. Sometimes like it has to just be a drastic change in our life. Mm. And here it was for Samson when God gets involved, like his eyes are plucked out. Mm. Like that temptation is gone. That's a hard thing for us to do, right? Just to rip a temptation out. But we get the point pretty clearly when you look at the example of Samson in that way. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that the way the Apostle John defines the things that are in the world, these different types of temptations, Mm. like Samson's, like you were saying, seems to be the lust of the eyes. You would see those kind of things. But in 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, Hmm. but is from the world. So there's three things, there's three desires or three lusts. I I found this to be true. Any sort of temptation that you have falls under those three categories. It's either the lust of the flesh, satisfying your own bodily needs, Hmm. lust of the eyes, seeing those things. You know, the pride of life has all to do with your ego yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? So, and it comes out in work and trying to climb the corporate ladder, those kind of things. So, I think the Bible's very true in just categorizing it down to those three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, right? Not from the Father. Like, that's mm. that's not the source. Right. But right. ultimately, we'll see it, right? How do we overcome this? How do we overcome temptation and sin? God's not the source, but he is the solution of these things. And, uh, you know, a wonderful example to look through. Think about the example of Samson in terms of seeing temptation. How do you overcome this? Mm. And you can look to the example of the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, you just try to set the scene in your mind. You have the Son of God with some of his closest friends. Here's some of the closest friends to Jesus, his disciples. And they're asking him, essentially, give us, the, give us the essentials of prayer. Teach us, is what they're saying. Teach us how to pray. And you must just think, like, the disciples must have just felt so inadequate in their prayers when they're now with Jesus, who could pray all night, we know. And yet, in just a few seconds, I don't know if you've, if you've ever gone through this exercise, just read through, time yourself, and just read through the Lord's Prayer. You can get through it in under 20 seconds. Okay, yeah. Like, it's not long no. at all. And yet, Jesus makes sure to include this exact idea of overcoming sin and temptation. Because he says there, you, you probably have the verse in front of you, Tim. I do, yeah. Do you want to read it for us? So this is Matthew 6, verse 13, I think you're talking about. It says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Mm-hmm. So there's, Jesus spends the time... He thinks, if you were to teach us the model prayer, his disciples are saying, here's a critical component of it. 
lead us not into temptation. So go to who? Go to God. Go to God in prayer. That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Go to God. Like we require him for overcoming. Right. So it's kind of in the aspect like there's no doubt we're going to face mm-hmm. temptation. It's common to all men. Mm-hmm. But God can give us the ability to escape out of it. Yeah, Is uh, that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, right? yeah absolutely. I think some people misread the saying, does God lead us into temptation? Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't do that, yeah. right? Yeah. Our own fleshly desires do that. Yeah. But he can definitely provide us the way out. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of another verse. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 mm-hmm. and uh, verses 12 through 14. And Paul is here dealing with the Corinthians who had several temptations in front of them to do with idolatry and, and those kind of things. Just a here, let me look it up. And I think it's interesting here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he starts off by saying, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just can't, there's nobody above this, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all have these uh, temptations. We can't think we're above it. And then he says in verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. We all have the same temptations, is what he's saying. It's all common. But he says, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Hmm. So lead us not into temptation. What he's saying here is God is going to provide that way of escape. That's what it says there. And it says the way to escape is to flee, hmm. to flee out of these things. Yeah, I, I like what you said, Tim, because you, you mentioned how it's almost like the, it's a level playing field, right? No one can think that they're above anyone else. This is something that overtakes everybody. Mm, Yes. And it leads me to another helpful example with David, right? King David. Here's a man after God's own heart. And so you think, well, how could I ever measure up to someone who's given that type of title? Royalty, man after God's own heart, this incredible warrior in the eyes of God. And yet, we understand how temptation overtook David and the sin with Bathsheba. And here was a king who was sitting idly by. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the problem. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was bored. <laughs> it's like we get in our lives. We get bored, and what do we do? We just seek to satisfy the lust of the flesh, to fulfill ourselves in something that's empty and yeah. vain, right? Yeah. So. You do, you get bored, you surf the net, and soon enough, you're 13 pages deep on something that you you, know, you didn't even mean to, to stumble upon, and, and that's just, yeah. it just takes hold of you that way. And here's David, much in the same way. He's, he's at home while this battle is raging on, and here's this great warrior king who's at home, mm-hmm. finds himself walking on the rooftop, sees yeah, a woman. the lust of the eyes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? She's beautiful to look upon, and now this pride of life, I'm the king, I can take her. And so that's what he does. And that can satisfy the lust of my flesh. Yeah. 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 They're all three there. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's caught in this compromising situation now where, where sin occurs. And so you have this battle now with David of, okay, like here's this temptation. It's now conceived. Sin is brought forth. Will he cover it or will he confess it? And there's this wonderful proverb, Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And we already looked at this aspect of in the Lord's prayer. <laughs> what yeah. a great way to confess. 
Uh-huh. You know, to go to God, to involve God, to help us overcome and to do it in such a way that we're confessing to God. What is it that we actually struggle with? Right. To verbalize it makes it real for us. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, and there's this power in actually bringing it forward. And it was the same thing that David had to go through and to wrestle with. And ultimately, I mean, it, it had very disastrous consequences. We just see what it can lead us down. But going back to your initial point, here's like David, a man after God's own heart, struggling with the same thing. So if, if anyone is listening, <laughs> this isn't something where we're so much worse because I struggle with something. Yeah, that's definitely one of the traps we can fall into. We can see other believers and think, mm. oh, they look like they're so good. Like they got it all together. Like they don't have any problems, mm-hmm. right? And we tend to almost put people on a shelf like that. Mm-hmm. But really, when you look at the Bible characters, they each dealt with these temptations the same way that we do. Everybody's common that way. Yeah. I even think of like the Apostle Paul, somebody who gave his life like that in service to God. And you just you think, did he have these struggles? Well, he told us about his struggles in, in Romans chapter 7. He goes on about it. So there's no doubt yeah. that he had this war in himself too. And this I'll just read a couple of these verses, Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 18. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. He goes on and on there, but you can see that back and forth struggle, the two desires that he sees inside himself that are at war with one another. So even if the Apostle Paul felt like that, we all go through that struggle. And I don't think we should feel like we're alone yeah. in that way. Right? Uh, yeah, I had it said to me once, Tim, you know, don't pack a snack for the flesh. Right? You talk about this, <laughs> this desire that, that the Apostle Paul had, right? Like nothing good dwells within my flesh. Don't pack a snack for it because it's going to keep eating and growing and get bigger and bigger and bigger and just overcome us. So does that, that mean like don't make provision for it? Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, so know your own weaknesses. Know, yeah. know where your temptations lie and, mm-hmm. and don't provide a means for yeah. satisfying those kind of things. So yeah. Yeah. And that can be hard sometimes too because mm-hmm. it means cutting some things off in yeah. your life that are important yeah. to you. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, here's a very real example. I remember I was uh, I was driving with someone before. This is many years ago, and we were driving on the road, and you know, he liked to listen to a certain type of music that you know wasn't good for developing a spiritual mind. <laughs> yeah. This is back when you know you had I don't know if you remember in cars they had like the six or eight CD changer you could put in like oh, one yeah. CD, second CD, right? Yeah, I'm that old. I can remember that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> if people haven't seen you, you're you know you're young and spry. So. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. And we're just literally driving down the road and we were having this discussion and he kind of realized like, you just got to cut it off. You just got to, you have to do something sometimes drastic to not make that provision. And so he just hit eject, gone, hit eject, gone, like just ejecting the CDs and just throwing them out. Like throwing them out the window? <laughs> I was trying to cover that part up because yeah, I'm not condoning actually- littering, but it was it was an effective means at the time of wow, where he yeah. just recognized I needed to get this out. It was interesting, right? Because that's it's always it's been seared in my brain as just like there's a wonderful demonstration yeah. of sometimes what you have to do wow, for this. That's, that's amazing. So there's a practical suggestion, yeah. right? Like it, it might take something just that drastic and that yeah. immediate. I would say on top of that, too, because when you do things like that, you go to create a vacuum, mm, right? And yeah. you got to be careful what fills that vacuum. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we're filling that with things of the 
spirit of God. You know, mm-hmm. like in Galatians chapter five and verse six, Paul says there, if you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So filling ourselves with the things of God, with the, the word of God, with godly music, yeah. and all those kind of things which our desires should turn to and grow and, mm-hmm. and develop and mm-hmm. find satisfaction and happiness and those kind of things that mm-hmm. displace all those other fleshly desires that are so natural inside of us. Yeah. And you brought up a number of practical points, right, for our own discipleship as we walk before God. Certainly, you know, the first one that, that kind of comes to mind for myself as we think back is the aspect of prayer. Yeah. And having this recognition of a need and a desire for God. That's a consistent message that we see throughout all of these examples. And it's about involving God, going to him in prayer, confessing the challenge, the temptation, asking for guidance and overcoming it. God didn't promise that bad things won't happen. He promises to be there when they do. And he's there in the form of prayer for us mm-hmm. to go to him and, and mm-hmm. to read his word and to try to be encouraged by what we can take in from that. And we're told in Paul's letter to the Philippians, be careful for nothing, but go to God in prayer and God will keep our hearts and minds. And I love that when it says that the God of peace will keep our hearts and minds because that word keep, it carries this meaning of guarding like a soldier. (laughs) And so here's this aspect of God who's going to try to just station soldiers there for our protection, to protect our mind, to protect our heart of trying to become like his son to you know, mm. grow up in that, in that yeah. way. Yeah. And so it forces us to kind of think through a little bit, Tim, of, of what are the guards that we put up in our life? How do we work hard to station these soldiers so the temptations don't overcome us? Yeah. And listen, that can be something you think about on your own time and just try to think, well, what can I do? Am I strong enough to just put them up in my own life or do I have to involve others to assist me in this? Yeah. And who are those others, right? Because sometimes yeah. it's other people who yeah. are really the temptations who yeah. draw us away yeah. for before followers mm-hmm. or that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, there's, there's some components there. And you know, what are you gonna do to implement? How do you ensure the temptations that might be harmful for us in our walk before God are are ultimately not gonna conceive to bring forth sin and we're gonna try to deal with those. And so there's some tough questions to ask that way. And you know, the other one you mentioned, right, in Paul's writings, you mentioned this aspect of fleeing from idolatry, right? Yeah. And I always think about that Joseph principle in the Old Testament. Joseph in Egypt, faced with this difficult situation of temptation with, you know, his master, Potiphar's wife. What does he do? He runs. He jets out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I always see yeah, exit stage left. Like, you just, you got to just get out of the situation. And that's easier said than done. Sure. We all, yeah. we all understand that. But yeah. Having that understanding that it's going to be okay, even if you just remove yourself from the situation and recognizing you got to sometimes make those tough and drastic decisions to do that as well. Can I give you one more? Sure. Just, you know, you're going through them. I'm kind of making notes of it all, but I just, I think it's helpful just to think practically about what you can do here. And the the third one I, I just kind of thought through was in Matthew 4 with Jesus and his temptations. Mm. And what did he do? Well, in, in, oh, yeah. in all three of those examples, his response was just to go to the word of God. Right. And again, easier said than done. When you're faced with the temptation, it's not like you just have verses that are just flowing from, if you do, phenomenal. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. So trying to just work through that exercise of the principle is, can you have something spiritual, something that leads you to recognize this isn't a situation I should be in. 
there is a different way that God would have me to try to live my life or, you know, to act or to do in this situation. And can you move in that direction? <laughs> Having a verse is a wonderful way to do it. Maybe it's a phrase that you say, right? Mm. I think we all know of trigger phrases. Yeah, yeah, trigger phrases, right? I want to be in the kingdom of God more than anything else in the world. That might trigger for some people, right, you know, right, a certain yeah. thought of. And so just something that just, you know, recalibrates the mind a little bit to try to get out of that frame of mind, that thinking, that action, whatever it is. I just another practical point just to think through. That's great, Stephen. Yeah, I think this has been a really good session. I really enjoyed the the talk, the practicality of it, it all. And uh, just it's a lifelong endeavor. So I really appreciate that. And thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and um, be nice to finish these Slurpees. Yeah, I think it's time to finish the Slurpees, <laughs> although you shouldn't pack a snack for yeah, the flesh, I right. guess. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Tim. We'd like to meet you. Every Tuesday night, we meet online for a Zoom Bible study. Come by and just say hi. It's an informal group discussion format where everybody is encouraged to ask questions and share their perspectives on the scriptures. I think you'll really like it. It happens every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To get the Zoom meeting link, go to our website at www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out the form. Our goal on the Essential Bible Studies podcast is to glorify God and to encourage others in their walk in Christ. Think about how you could use the podcast. It's really easy just to ask a friend or acquaintance, do you listen to podcasts, and hand them an Essential Bible Studies podcast business card. If you'd like to do this, then I'd like to send you one of our media kits to promote the podcast. Just get in contact with us at our website, www.essentialbiblestudies.org, or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. Freely you have received, so freely give. If you like the podcast, please just take a little bit of time and rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you see stars. I love seeing stars, especially five stars. Little things like this can be a big boost for spreading these essential Bible studies. Each episode of the podcast has some special artwork associated with it. If you'd like to see it, then you should follow the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We post it when each new show comes out. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.